This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about prayer these past six weeks, and I hope that you're growing in your confidence in your own personal prayer life. We've looked at, in this message series about how to pray and what are the ways that we can pray. We've talked about the importance of having a personal time with God, that chair time every day, where we listen and to God's voice, and we talk with God, and we set that time aside whenever that works for us. We've talked about the importance of listening to God's Spirit through the Scriptures, and that when we open up the Bible and we just read the words, and we're not here just thinking about that, but we're kind of anticipating God's Spirit to speak into our hearts, the Scripture has a way of coming alive. We've talked about the importance of being able to pray on the run. You know, going from appointment to appointment in our crazy schedules, how that we can give these quick prayers, Lord, help me, Lord, thanks for that, and guide me here, and clear my mind here, just quick popcorn prayers that we can pray throughout the day. We've talked about the importance of praying of the new wineskin. In other words, trying something different, something new, mixing it up. I heard someone say that, you know, if I'm not willing to stretch and step out of my comfort zone, I just remain a circle. I'm never going to be a star. I like that statement, that God is always stretching us, and so we get to try something different and something new. So I just really hope that somewhere along the way, you're trying something different and new in your prayer life. Last week, we talked about how we can pray like Jesus prayed. We can pray with more authority and more strength and more confidence. And, and certainly praying forgiveness, wearing Jesus' glasses, looking at people through the eyes of Jesus, and praying with mercy and forgiveness into people's lives and in our own life. And today we could talk about three different things. Uh, it's always a tough choice for me. I know you'd like to hear three sermons today, but we can't do that. So um, we could talk about the importance of praying with another person. Uh, there is something very much spiritually alive about meeting with another person on a regular basis. It might be your spouse, it may be your best friend, good brother, good sister in Christ, but praying on a regular basis with one other person where two or three are gathered in God's name. So think about having a prayer partner. You don't have one, uh, just think about somebody in your life and just ask that person, would you like to go pray together one time and see what happens? Certainly the ultimate prayer partner is the Holy Spirit, God's presence in our life. We, we have this partner inside of us, don't we? That the Holy Spirit is our counselor, our guide, our comforter. And so we have the presence. We have this teacher inside of us wherever we go. And if we can connect with that prayer partner, we, we have confidence in our prayer life. But today I want to emphasize this, this whole idea of uniting reason and faith together in making decisions. You know, sometimes I've I've heard uh, it often said that, you know, I have my prayer life over here, but now I need to live in in the real world here and and make my decisions. And and I don't think it's supposed to work that way. There's something about thoughtful prayer and thoughtful thinking of, of reason and faith coming together. Whoever had the idea that those are two separate entities, But, you know, when we become Christ followers, we don't check our minds at the door. We use our minds. God gave us minds to think. 
And how do we make those informed decisions filled with faith and filled with prayer? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, there's three basic things we're doing today, okay? We're going to look at some scripture, a brief scripture from Romans 12 that talks about some of the principles to keep in mind about how to have a transformed and renewed mind and making decisions. Then we're going to walk through this seven-step process. And I hate sermons like this where they give you seven steps, but I'm going to do that today because this one's this one's good, okay? But I just, I just hate it when preachers do that, just confessing, but it's, it's a good process. And then we're going to wind up talking about these three buckets, okay? So here we go. Uh, as we delve into this today, I want to ask you to ask yourself this question. Is there something right now that I'm wrestling with? Is there a personal issue that I'm facing in my life right now? Is there a question that I have? Just let that question, that issue, bubble up to the surface and keep that question in front of you as we go through this time together this morning, okay? You got the question, got the issue. If it's a real deal, then just keep it in the forefront of your mind. Now, we're going to look at this scripture first from Romans 12, 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in the first century in Rome, and he's been talking about all the great mercies of God and and all that God has done for us in Christ. And then he shifts the emphasis by saying, based on what God has done for us, this is how we should live too. Okay? That's what he's saying in these verses. Let's look at these two verses together. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now we're going to look at those same two verses of Scripture from the message, Eugene Peterson's translation in more modern language and words, same text, different translation. Here's the way the message reads. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into everything, or, or you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down into its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So what's, in essence, what Paul is saying here? What's the Scripture telling us? He's talking to us about how that we're not to be just conformed to this world, to the, to the culture's values, to the culture's ways of thinking. You know, when I just put myself on drift, my default mechanism is I just go with the flow. And that's what happens to us unless we do what? Unless we intentionally renew our minds unless we intentionally do 
some thinking about, well, what's God's got to say about this? What's the values or perspective that God wants to bring into this decision? So I have to intentionally do that. That's how I have this transformed mind. That's how I have this changed life, is that I've got to intentionally think about what are God's thoughts? What's the mind of God in this as I make this decision? Okay? So that's the teaching of Scripture. Now we're going to look at uh, these guides, these seven-step guides in terms of a decision. So think about your issue, your question that's on your mind today as we walk through this step-by-step process by Margaret Funk. The first step is pray for enlightenment. Now, enlightenment may be a word that you are all upset about because it sounds Buddhist to you. If that doesn't work for you, I don't care what word you use. Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance. The idea is this. Have a prayer life. And, you know, there's nothing like being able to make a big decision when I've been making a lot of little decisions, right? Because life is mainly full of little decisions. And then we get to these big crossroads. And the big question about prayer is, do I have my ongoing relationship with God going well? Do I, am I having these conversations with God every day? Am I having my prayer time with God every day? Am I walking with God? So pray for enlightenment. It's more than just uh, pray this one time because, oh, I need God's help on this matter. No, it's, it's having this foundation in your life. And then she says to sort out our thoughts. And we have three buckets here. And I, to me, Uh, This is a huge step in the process because if you're like me, you've got all kinds of thoughts going on all the time. You wake up in the morning and they come at you like animals. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. And your thoughts are racing. And sometimes it's difficult to go to sleep at night because your thoughts are racing. And how do you sort out your thoughts? How do you have a sense of, well, here's my thoughts, but how do I recognize my thoughts from God's thoughts. And yeah, there's another bucket over here. There, there, there is the reality of evil. And how do I recognize evil thoughts that come into my mind and my spirit? I think this is so important. We're going to come back to this at the end of the message. But sorting out our thoughts, if we're not able to do that, we're not really able to move forward in making godly choices and decisions in our lives. Such a critical step. A third step is virtually living the decision. What's meant by that? That means, okay, what's your decision? My decision may be to check out this new position or this job or move to this new locality or enter into this relationship with someone or marry this person. What's the decision? Virtually live the decision is creating some movement in my life. It's not making the decision, but it's living as if if I was to marry this person, what would that look like? Okay? That's virtually living the decision without going to the altar first. Very important to be able to do that. It's putting some motion and movement. Oftentimes I hear preachers and Christians say this, well, you know, I'm just waiting for God. Open that door. And the door opens. By golly, I'll be walking through that door. But Well, you know what? There's a scripture that says, I place before you an open door. So there is something about putting motion to this. I love the statement, even God can't drive a parked car. 
Just think about it. God can't drive a parked car. Is your car in drive or is it in park? Are you creating some movement yourself in this? In the law of physics, which is easier, to change the direction of a moving object or a stationary object? What takes less energy? A moving object. <laughs> You're moving. It's not that, okay, I've got to get this just right. God can shape and redirect our life. But what we're saying here is that in virtually living the decision, you, you've got to create some sense of movement and effort and openness on your part. And then look for the confirming sign. As you begin to move in this direction, what's happening in my spirit? Sometimes I'm making a decision, I'm making a choice, and there's a check in my spirit. It's like, I don't understand this, but I don't feel comfortable about this. There's a yellow flag going on here, or I'm getting the red light. There's something about this that just doesn't seem right. Okay? Sometimes I've not paid attention in that checking of my spirit. I've paid the price for it or somebody that people got hurt in the process. Confirming the decision is that there's a growing sense of peace in our life. The difficult choice in the midst of all that, there's a sense of peace. There's a sense of yes. Even though this is a tough choice, I'm getting energized and have more peace in this choice or decision. And oftentimes the confirming sign will come from two or three different people independently walk into my life and say the same thing. You ever have, you ever had that happen to you? There's a confirming sign. Yes. And that came right out of the blue as, as you move in that decision. And then finally, you know, you, you look where you make a decision. You choose, yes, I believe this is the choice. You move forward. You sign the contract. You, you make the decision to move forward or you say, no, this is not right or at least this is not the right thing to do right now. But I make the decision. And I ritualize the decision. I call my best friends. I celebrate. I throw a party. I do something that I mark it on the calendar where it's very clear that this is a choice that, that I've made. And then I guard my heart because there's all kinds of second guessing. And there's lots of naysaying. And so when I go public with the decision, I'm going to get a lot of pushback, especially if people in my life don't like the decision and I, by nature, am a people pleaser. Got to guard my heart. Now, how does this work? Is this, is this just theory? Is this just nice theological babbling we're doing today? Or does this really work? I want to share with you two examples this morning of two individuals that walked through this process this past year at Schweitzer. The first person is Patty Randolph. Patty Randolph um, is a great gal, professional woman, uh, worked in corporate for many years, and was looking for new employment this spring. She'd raised her, her daughter. She lost her husband about 10 years in death. And now uh, Patty is an HR specialist in South Ogden, Utah, with her dog, Max. And uh, how did Patty get from here to there? Well, in the midst of the whole process, Patty took these seven steps with a little bit more flesh on the bones. And she walked through that process. She lived through that process. She did her homework. She did her thinking. She did her praying. She did her sorting out of the three buckets. 
she wrestled with the decision. She came to some confirming signs that were pointing that way, and she made the decision, and she announced it. And last July 29th, I love the way that they can specify dates. She said, on the 29th of July, I was driving down Sunshine, and I was getting some more boxes, and I realized that I had not done the last step. I had not dashed the stuff against the rock. I had not burnt my bridges. And I needed to let it go because I was filled with self-doubt. And there were so many people that were saying things like, you're making the biggest mistake of your life, and how could you do that to us? And she said, I just dashed it against the rock. And she said, and two days later, she got the phone call about the application, and she decided to apply for this job on the day of August 1st as two men in a truck were loading up her stuff. She was on the phone with a job interview in South Ogden, Utah. She made that trip. Six days later, she had the face-to-face interview, and another week she was on the job, and now her house is sold, and she's where she is today. As she lived and walked through, what is God's guidance in this matter? Another person that did the same process independently was was Bo McLean. Bo McLean is shown there with his aunt and great-nephew. And Bo was in his upper 20s. He was a part of Schweitzer for several years. Dynamic young leader. He had a job where he's working as a regional manager, 60-plus hours a week. He was tired. Uh, He never felt fulfilled. He never felt like he was good enough. And yet, as a teenager, God had given him a vision and a dream. It was one of those crazy dreams. You think God ever gives teenagers dreams? I do. And Bo, as a teenage kid, got a dream that someday he would start a business, and that business would be about ministry of helping other people get a fresh start in life. People who were incarcerated, people who were mentally or physically challenged would be able to work in his business to make money for themselves and in the whole process enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ who is the only person who could ultimately bring about change. That vision had been put on hold and he'd been in Missouri. And I gave him this process. And he says through that providential relationship that we had together, wisdom was spoken into his life in such a way that he was able to break himself free of the negativity He had placed on God the image he had of his earthly father and the struggle he had with his own dad and placed that on how he viewed God. And he had to break himself free of all the pattern of negative thinking that he would never measured up, that he was never good enough. And when he emptied himself of that stuff, he was able to have experiences with God, thoughts from God, vision from God, and moved into the place where this spring he told his employer, giving him a month's notice that he was leaving, or two months' notice. He called his friends, marked the calendar, celebrated the day. In May, he moved to Montana. He built him a log cabin house, and uh, he's a rancher with his cattle, and he's building the business where he's going to be able someday to employ other people who need a fresh start in life. Now, the purpose of those stories is not to tell you how to move from Springfield to Utah or Montana. In fact, I'm really hesitant to share this message with anybody because I really like Bo and Patty. I'm sorry they're gone, but I'm thrilled that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're following God's guidance. The point is this. You and I 
can, living, can be living that life as well. Whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else. We can have this relationship with God in our decision-making where we can be renewing our minds and have the confidence of living with God. Now, I got five minutes to talk about these buckets. We have the self-bucket. We have the bucket that is full of our own thoughts. Our own thoughts can be good thoughts. God gave us a mind that works. God wired us spiritually. We have personality and passion and we, we glorify God by, by being fully alive. Our own self-thoughts are not necessarily bad thoughts at all. They're good thoughts. And yet we also know, especially if you're an introvert, you can be very self-absorbed. And our own thoughts can be killers of joy. And oftentimes we can be so full of our own self-consciousness that we're always comparing ourselves with other people. You have that problem? Or am I the only one that does? We think too highly of ourselves, or we take, think too lowly of ourselves. I love what C.S. Lewis says when he says, God gives me the humility where I don't think too much of myself or too low of myself, where I don't have to think about myself that much at all. And so we lose ourselves in a sense where we're healthy. But what do you do with those killer thoughts? What do you do with your racing thoughts? Or what do you do when life is overwhelming? We also know that there is in this world, in this universe, in fully operative is the evil one. There are evil thoughts that come into our minds. How do you know when a thought is evil? Let me give you a few hints. The evil one specializes in shame, shaming us. You'll never amount to anything. God will never forgive you for that. If people really knew you, what you're really like, they'd never love you. You'll never amount to anything. The evil one also specializes on the other extreme of self-grandizement and self-gratification. Go ahead and do that. It's not going to hurt anything. And he will lead us to do things that's for our own self-gratification at the, at the expense of other people. The evil one also is really good in the sense of despair and doubt. I don't know about you, but I can be full of despair and doubt. Just a sense of darkness <laughs> comes over me. There's an expression in, in Haiti that says, there's a demon called despair. Send him away, Lord. He's bothering us. And so what do we do when our self-trash talk is going on? Or what do we do when we're demonizing other people? What do we do with evil thoughts? Well, we got to take the trash out every day, don't we? Every day you got to take the trash out. I mean, at the end of the day, you pick up your bucket and you take the trash out. Yesterday morning, I was in our kitchen, and our trash was stinking, and the trash pail wasn't that full, but I'd forgotten that we had a diaper there from our grandson, Oren, and it was just stinking up the place. Uh, you got to take the trash out every day. It may not be that full. It needs to be just one thing stinking up your life. You know, the Scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What does it mean by that? 
Don't let anger build. Don't let bitterness and resentment build. Easier said than done. But I take, I take uh, my thoughts and I bring them to God. And I'll send my evil thoughts to God and let God deal with it as he will because I can't fight that on my own. But purposely, I want God's thoughts. I want God's thoughts to be poured into me. And I've got to purposely open up my mind and my spirit for that. It's so important to read the scriptures every day because I want to know God's thoughts. What are God's thoughts? Well, whatever's lovely, whatever's good, whatever's beautiful, whatever's joyful and peaceful and loving and kind and purposeful and generous. These are the thoughts of God. And when my mind is emptied of myself, and especially of evil thoughts, I'm then able to receive the voice of God and to hear God speaking into my life. The point is this. When we do these things, we're better equipped. We have an ongoing, renewing relationship with God where we're able to make godly and wise choices in life. And even when a choice isn't perfect, we know that God can redirect that and make that good because anytime God's involved in something, it can't be absolutely wrong. And the most important thing is not the decision to have a transformed life and to be changed in our own spirit. What we want to do now is to invite the band back up and to, as they prepare to lead us in one final song, I just want to give you a few moments to uh, prayerfully look at your own life. Think about that issue or that question or that decision that you may be wrestling with and ask, ask God to just come into your spirit and your mind and Experience the peace of God. Ask God to give you his thoughts. Just spend a moment in prayer.